look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? I'm great, Faisal. I like the jacket. You got some. You got some fashion on a Friday, Saturday weekend. Look at that. Well, you know. Yesterday you looked pretty good on that jacket you wore. I got to clean up every once in a while. You haven't changed, so you're wearing <laughs> the same outfit today. That's pretty. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> there was almost a compliment in there. That was. was I appreciate the so, effort. That's yeah, right. Anyways, go on. Yes. We've got we've got an interesting show today because we're going to talk about uh, volatility for sure in a minute. Uh, you and I can spend a bit of uh, a time on that. There's a lot of fear. We get a lot of questions about that, but uh, we'll get to that in a minute because I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about technology today. So we want to continue to push down this idea of technology, particularly around healthcare. Yeah. Right. Um, there's a lot of things that technology can do to help us improve the quality of life, quality of care that we're getting. And we're going to have a, a and keep you connected with your loved ones. Uh-huh. The hardest part of the, are the caregivers and people that are important in your life to understand what's going on. Right. And having that technology will really help. Will yeah, really help. You bet. And then uh, we're going to find out how Trump's tax changes might actually affect you here if you affect uh, if, or, sorry, you own, if you own U.S. property. Correct. Right. No one's really talking about no, this. Stick around for that if you've got a U.S. property. That's right. Uh, absolutely. Or thinking of buying a U.S. Right. property, you should be aware of that. Right. Uh, okay. Um, wow. Up and down and up and down. Yep. People are scared. We don't know what's going on. Is this a 2008 scenario? Right? All of these questions being asked right now. Fear has really returned to the market. After two and a half years of... Nothing could possibly go wrong. It yeah. just everything goes straight up. It's it, it, I bring this recommendation, this piece of advice to everybody during these type of volatile times. Yeah. Grab a bottle of Pepto Bismol every time. So I agree. It, it's in, gonna in, it's in, gonna be volatile, and it needs to be volatile. Right. And so I think what people have forgotten over the last call it five six years mm. is that when we were going through this experiment of quantitative easing. We went, we went through a brand new way of handling the financial crises. Now this is being unwound. So you take out the experiment time and you look in history uh, when we consider it to be quote-unquote normal mm-hmm. and look at the volatility, nothing's different except that it's brand new for people who, who have short-term memory mm-hmm. over the last five years and haven't yep. seen this. If you look at our October, and I'll put a gauge that this October drop fairly similar to 2008 October, just for the month of October. Okay. So it's happened before, but now we're, we're expecting some sort of crises to happen in November, December to right. cause a bigger problem. But look back in history, it's the same volatility. So how do you deal with this type of volatility? Right. And, and so when you say deal with it, I'm, I'm going to take that down two different veins because uh, dealing with it from a structural portfolio or an investment perspective, and then how do you deal with it emotionally? Correct. Right. That um, it's the part art, part science combination that we often talk about. Right. Correct. So volatility is here for a little bit. Now you're right. Volatility is about price discovery. Right. Being part of the public markets means there's buyers and sellers, and they trade, and sometimes it goes wild until they discover what price everybody thinks is fair, and then it moves on. Correct. Okay. Let's address this question of it. Is this a 2008? Are we in for a 40 percent fall in equities? What are your thoughts? <laughs> 
Um, are we in for a 40% Well, let's just uh, we or a large drop? Or a large drop? Did the conditions exist that existed in yeah. 2008 so okay. that you know that people should be focused on that kind of fear? So we're going through the fundamental side of the world right now is what you're asking me. You're, you're asking me to use my brain <clears throat> on the fundamental side. Mm. I'll start off by saying, okay, I'm on vacation mode I, in T minus 24 hours. Yeah, I'm out of here. Yep. I'm taking my youngest daughter to Mexico and she, we want to have some fun out there. <laughs> so we were looking at some pictures online. Oh, you're going to leave me with all the stress next yeah, week? Absolutely. Okay, thank you. Um, we're going to look at some, we were looking at video online and we saw um, surfers yep. in the ocean doing their thing. Yep. Uh, we saw some experienced surfers, some not so experienced surfers, and when the tide got pretty high and the waves got pretty high, the ones who weren't as experienced ran for the shore and stayed away. Right. They capitulated. Mm-hmm. That might be sensible from a surfing perspective. Correct. Yeah. The ones who knew how to surf, who have mm-hmm. been through these types of waves before, were able to decide which wave to jump on, which ones to which stay. Which to take advantage of. Which ones to actually yeah. jump on and enjoy it. Now, that's a similar concept to what you're saying right now. The waves will continue to happen forever, amen. Right. Okay. In the markets and in the economy, it's going to happen. Right now, the waves are not that bad because the fundamentals are still solid. So going back to your question, right. fundamentally, everything is green on my screen from an economics perspective right. with a yellow light saying inflation may be heading upwards. Yeah. So I do not see any catalyst to say this is going to be a huge drop in the markets. What I am saying, though, is that this type of volatility is expected because there's always a reason for volatility. Well, and, and there are real risks in the economy. And Absolutely. We've, we've talked risk. about those. Have right? you ever had an economy that was risk-free? Never. Okay, so then that, that means it's happening again point. and exactly. again and again. There's right? never an economy. So what was abnormal, and we've talked about this before, is call it 2017 when there was the lowest volatility in history on the S&P 500, Correct. no lower than a 2.5% dip throughout the course of that year. It never happened before. That's the abnormal situation. Okay. This maybe is a bit exaggerated, so the daily swings that people are seeing and they find very confusing, fair enough. Yep. But the kind of volatility, and let's put in perspective, a 10% pullback on equity markets, on stock markets, is just normal. And a 20% pullback for every 10 years is normal. Right. So let's, let's put that in. Now, how do you handle the emotion of that piece? Yeah. That's right? the tricky part, isn't and it? And so I had, a, I had an interaction, a conversation with one of our clients mm-hmm. on uh, Thursday, yeah. I think it was, yeah. or Wednesday. Um, what a great conversation because he fundamentally knows that the volatility is going to happen. He's concerned because when he looks at the portfolio and he looks at what his plan's supposed to be and he gets the, all the news and the media and, and see all these headlines, yeah. he's concerned. Yeah. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Fair enough. What he needed to know, and this guy is a gentleman who's taking income. Right. Okay. What he needed to know is, will my income be okay and for how long? Right. That's step one. If you don't know that, right. that's a problem. Right. So we needed to articulate that with him again. So he's calm. Now he goes, okay, I got, I got yeah. my income. Right. Good. The second one was, is the rest of my money, we call it the growth bucket, in line to reach my goals over the long-term period that we said, we said 10 years. Right. And so does that match? We're on pace or we're slightly above or below depending on the individual, but yep. in this person's place, we're on pace, check mark, we're good. So then what am I worried about, Faisal? I go, you tell me. Right. He goes, I keep on watching the Dow Jones, yeah. the TSX, and I keep on seeing that. So I, re- I reflect that as my portfolio. And there are many, many investors out there that have that problem. They, they are invested directly in what the market is yep. doing versus some sort of derivative of that or, or a portfolio that's well diversified right. and doesn't have that type of uh, exposure. And so we need to take a look at, is this really the true benchmark? Yeah. 
Well, and I'm going to add to that from a structural perspective. Uh, you know, it's this has been an interesting period, and there are periods in history where you get typically low correlated assets like stocks and bonds. So if you've got a diversified portfolio of just pure stocks and bonds, you're seeing periods now where both stocks and bonds are falling at the same time. Correct. Right. This is why we There's talk nowhere about nowhere to hide. The, well, the different pillars, the alternatives. Alternatives, exactly. Right? People need to educate themselves Correct. around this. So if you do not have comfort in what's happening with the markets and how it reflects your own situation, you need to sit down with your advisor, call them right away. And don't panic. Don't run for the, the shoreline with my surfer analogy that I used earlier. Actually sit down and say, which waves should we be on and which ones shouldn't we be on? Yeah, that's right. Uh, structure is important. Review your strategy. Here's the good news, though. We're, we're doing some, we've got a conference call next week with our clients and doing some research. You know, in the absence of a recessionary year, mm -hmm. right, these pullbacks represent a very good opportunity because markets tend to rally. I don't know where the bottom's going to be. I don't know how far this is going to go. None of us do. But they tend to rally off those bottoms in the absence of a recession. So... We don't see any recessionary pressure at this point. In fact, the Bank of Canada just raised rates because of a strong Canadian economy. Correct. Right? It's expected that the U.S. will continue to raise rates in December. And you don't feel that in Alberta. No, you don't feel that here right. in Calgary. So <clears throat> we take a look at what's happening in Calgary and we say, well, the world's not good because my surrounding area doesn't look Correct. like it's growing. Correct. What's happening in Alberta is not what's happening globally. Okay, yeah, remember or even, or even nationally in many in many cases, right? right? And so there is a lot of opportunity. And when the surfers come to the shoreline because the the tide or the wave wasn't what they wanted, it was too much for them. Yep. That's where opportunity lies. That's when the real good surfers jump on the water and say, "Hey, right. let's enjoy this wave." Because there's that's nobody else be on the wave. Yeah. And that's where the opportunities lie. I still believe there's going to be huge opportunity over the next twelve to eighteen months. Yep. We just got to find those those surfers that jump to the shoreline, take over their positions, and make some money. Right. So let's let's kind of sum it up on this note. I think it's really important that uh, everybody takes a deep breath right you don't want to make panic decisions those tend to be bad decisions review your strategy review it against your goals and objectives right um, go through all of the, the buckets so you know what you're doing right particularly when you get to retirement you've got lots of goals make sure that you're you're properly your plan is properly put together and I'll tell you what if your strategy has changed your goals and objectives have changed change things right but don't do that as a result of a panic decision those tend to not end well. Correct. Is that a fair comment? Fair comment. Okay, uh, let's wrap up that first segment. Hopefully that gives people a little bit of peace of mind. We're going to have a seminar on Tuesday, November 20th, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine and Spirits. We're going to discuss all of this and the four buckets, the solution. If you use our, our, our services or not, it's not the point. The point is to educate you yeah, and to sh show you that this strategy does work. We'll talk about that on Tuesday, November 20th, at 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine and Spirits. You need to reserve your seat, so give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400, or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. And stick around after the break. We're going to talk about uh, some new technology that can help in, this spa in, the, in the medical and healthcare space. You want to stick around for this. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. And, you know, technology is an area that uh, we continue to explore, uh, not just from an investment perspective, but also, you know, how how is this baby boom generation moves through the medical system, as an example? Do we keep up? Yeah. So let me give you a bit of a story. A few weeks back, I met with one of our clients, Dave, and his wife is going through um, early signs of memory loss. Yes. Okay. So he's concerned. 
And so what he's concerned about is that when he leaves the home, will she forget things? Um, how to, you know, how to prompt her reminder? How does he get notified on certain stuff? And so we've been on the search on behalf of our client. We've been on the search for, for, um, some sort of technology to help with, um, dealing with this, uh, early sign of memory loss. Yep. And so one of the things that, uh, that the client I talked about was, um, you know, reminding her to take her medication or giving her, you know, notifications of things that she has to do or, you know, to remind her on those pieces. And that was part of the concern. And so in our search, and I want to thank our, our producer, Betty Joe, for going out there and, and finding this, this kind of technology out there so we can actually not only share it with our listeners, but mm -hmm. help our clients yeah. at the end of the day. And so we've got, we've got the technology guy here. Well, we, we do. We've got Dr. Alex Mihalidis. He's the scientific director of Canada's Technology and Aging Network. Uh, Dr. Mihalidis, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show. Great. Thanks very much for having me. All right. Um, you sort of heard our lead up there. We know that uh, technology is an important part of the game here, and it's constantly evolving and changing, uh, certainly in the medical field. Uh, there's a new app called Data Day App. Why don't we start with, um, with a little bit of an explanation of what that is, and then we can talk about uh, a little bit about uh, the implications of the technology. Sure. So this is a brand new app that has been uh, just launched through the AgeWell Network by one of our researchers and the app's developer, Dr. Arlene Astle. And this is an app that's really meant to support, just as you just described in your intro, the day-to-day -day functioning of a person who may be suffering from some kind of memory loss or cognitive impairment. Mm -hmm. It's really there to take a very much a holistic approach, so not only reminding people of the everyday tasks that they need to complete, whether it's taking their medications or attending doctor appointments, but also helping them with their cognitive function as well to ensure that perhaps we can maybe slow down any kind of decline that may be seen in the person. So, I mean, I think this maybe is an obvious question, but um, uh, you can address it uh, regardless. Maybe give us a kind of a profile of who is meant to use this app and at, at what stage. Mm -hmm. So this is really meant for those who are starting to notice maybe some day-to-day -day memory lapses, maybe an individual who are starting to notice that they're forgetting to do some of their daily activities, um, maybe a person who is starting to be a bit more forgetful than is typically considered to be normal with the aging process. So really people more in those earlier stages of cognitive impairment and, and not so much those who are uh, further along in their dementia or in their Alzheimer's disease where they'll most likely require more formal and more um, hands-on care and support. Yeah, and you you made an interesting comment, and I this is um, this is something I'd like you to address to the extent that you can. This this idea of uh, sort of aging and and normal forgetfulness versus cognitive impairment. How, yeah. You know how does how, how does somebody who's you know forgetting the odd thing uh, figure out whether or not this is a problem or this is just you know I'm just getting older or I'm not paying as close attention. Mm -hmm. So, so really, you know, it, it becomes a problem if it starts to interfere in your daily life. If it's really interfering in you managing, um, whether it's your finances, whether it's your medication, or even your, your social relationships with your friends and family. And if that's something that people are really starting to notice, that's when it's time to go see your family physician um, and to really get assessed more formally. Okay. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Um so how was it? How was this app developed? Give us a little sense of. of I guess I guess you've given a bit of the history, but um, how was it developed? And and when somebody gets involved in it, uh, some sometimes technology is a bit scary for people. Kind Correct. of walk us through. Uh, you know what what a person would experience as they get on this app and start using it. 
Yeah, so this app was designed with the end user in mind. So that is the older adult and their family caregivers. So Dr. Astell, um, with her research group, has been working on this for many years now, where she has directly involved older adults mm-hmm. with cognitive impairment through the design of the app for itself. So they are the ones who are able to tell her what features and functions it should incorporate. And that's really, really critical because that then allows not only for more buy-in from your end user into using the app, but also ensure that we address their specific needs. And and that's what's going to make this app stand apart from others that may be currently available. So, you know, in terms of using the app, it's quite simple, quite mm-hmm. a simple interface. Um, when a person goes ahead and uses it along with their caregiver or their family members um, or whoever's providing support to them, it really provides them with very easy options in terms of what to set up, in terms of the reminders that are required, when those reminders should occur, what type of reminder, and then also what types of activities are going to be the most important to be focused on. So it's not trying to do everything for everyone, but really to be tailored to that specific person. Think about, Dave, how this can be connected with other types of technology. Um, There are apps right now, I have one on my phone that can turn on and off my home alarm, can use my, can I can see my cameras around my home, I can turn on and off my lights. Mm -hmm with my phone. Think about that if you're if you're going through this situation and you get these notifications to say, you know, for example, a reminder, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And you can then switch to the next app that can use that technology to make sure that things go on and off. One thing that I when I was when I was growing up in and I was going through university, my my dad's sister-in-law, so my dad's brother's wife, would call me every single month. How are you doing, Faisal? Everything good? Made you make sure that you turn off the oven every time you're done cooking? This was her concern that I'm going to blow up the building or whatever, right? Rightfully so, so, by the uh, way. Of course, because she knows how I cook. <laughs> um, but the point is that that was a reminder to me to make sure yep. and I could hear her voice every time I'm in front of that stove to turn it off. And so th- those types of influences that will come through technology to make sure where you can protect yourself, not only protect, but also prevent other things like too much cost and energy and so on and sure. so forth yeah. will actually help. I think these are the things that we need to help because more and more people want to stay in their own home. Yep. They don't want to be put in a home. And so with the, with these types of technologies, it makes it become not only um, comfortable for the person going through that memory loss or that, that medical situation, but the family around them as well. Yeah, for sure. And, and Dr. Mihalides, I'm, I'm in, interested in, in this app as you're using it. it clearly, it's, it's tracking progress. Is it giving you as an individual, um, feedback on areas? Is, is this data that can be used by your family physician or you know, somebody specialized in this area of memory loss to help them improve the care that you're receiving? Absolutely. You know, the, the type of information we can collect on a person from just understanding how they complete these daily activities is really, really critical in, in assessing how well they're doing, if they're declining, or perhaps even if an intervention is actually having a positive effect on someone. Okay. I, I think that's... I mean, it ultimately has to link back to some quality of care that we can we can improve. And uh, is there enough is there enough data in at this particular point uh, to be able to speak to early results? Um, so right now, the app is being beta tested uh, within the Durham region here in Ontario, um, and so through that data collection, they'll collect further evidence that supports the effectiveness of this app. But so far, things are looking really, really positive. Okay, that's excellent. Where can somebody get a hold of this app if if they want to? Um, so the best way is to connect with the AgeWell network is to reach out to us through our website. Uh, that's www.agewell-nce.ca. And then through that, we can connect you with the development team who can connect them with the app itself.
That's terrific. I want to thank you very much for taking some time with us today. This, uh, you know, these kinds of technologies, I think, are going to become absolutely critical as you know this demographic that we call the baby boomers continues to age and experience these results. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks very much. All right, we've been joined by Dr. Alex Mihalides, who is the scientific director of Canada's Technology and Aging Network. And again, thank you to Betty Joe for finding, you know, technology applications, Faisal, that are helping uh, not just our clients but spread the word to people who are being affected by, you know, these various uh, medical conditions. You know, there, there, we had a seminar last Tuesday, and we had two sessions because it was really packed, and we had to open up a second session. And one of the questions we asked are, what are the biggest risks that you feel are yep. concerned about going through retirement? And time and time again, we keep on hearing health mm -hmm. being a big issue. Sure. And their concern is not only the quality of the care in the future or the availability of that care in the future, but also how can they fund it? How can they afford yep. that type of quality of care? And so when you build an asset dedication strategy, a portfolio that actually can handle that situation in the future and you plan for it, then you've had that peace of mind knowing that in the event that was to, to occur, you've got a strategy in place. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to discuss the, the asset dedication process on Tuesday, November 20th, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine and Spirits. Now you need to reserve your seats. So remember, this got sold out very quickly. It'll probably be sold out by the time this thing not airs. Not sold out. It's, it's free. Full. It's not, full. Yeah, full. Sorry. That poor choice of word. <laughs> full. And so we, we, we don't know if we're going to be able to open up a second session. So please give us a call to register, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go on our website at morethanmoneyradio.com. Stick around after the break if you're interested in understanding how you might be affected under Trump's tax changes. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to talk not just about money, but we're going to talk about more than that because tax and how did the tax changes in the U.S., the Trump tax changes, affect Canadians? Yes. Nobody's talking about that. So no one's talking about that because what happened, I think, maybe seven years ago, eight years ago on our show, we started hearing... A lot of um, tax advisors saying, yeah. hey, if you're going to buy property, yeah. remember we were at par yeah. and they were going to buy property yeah. in the States and they said, you might want to put it in a corporation. Right. You might want to set up a corporation, put that property in your, in your U.S. property in that corporation for all these other tax reasons. Yep. And so what's happened now is there's been a tax change Things from the change. Trump administration. You got it. And so we got to see what the impacts of those Trump uh, tax changes are on Canadians who own property in the U.S., well, and listen, that's above our pay grade, but we have found somebody <laughs> whose pay grade level. matches us. That's right. Uh, David Altro is the uh, managing partner of Altro LLP. Now, this is these guys specialize, David and his crew specialize in cross-border tax, estate planning, U.S. real estate, immigration. They've got offices in Canada and the U.S. No better person to talk to than that, Dave. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, guys. Pleasure to be on the show. Well, let's talk about this little mess we might uh, potentially have. So maybe you could just give us a sort of a high-level summary of what changes have been made to the U.S. tax code that could affect Canadian snowbirds. Excellent. So uh, in December of 2017, uh, the uh, U.S. Um, tax department was able to get through a new law uh, called Tax Cuts and Job Creations Act. And um, has a lot of changes. But uh, to talk about what uh, we want to talk about today, it's a change in the corporate tax rate. So it means if a Canadian uh, resident uh, is buying a personal use property in uh, the States, say in uh, Phoenix area or down in yep. the Valley in, uh, in California, uh, 
they may be getting advice that they should be putting it in a corporation. Corporate tax rate before the change was 35%. Okay, after the cor- after the change, the corporate tax rate is 21%. So big change, right? Mm-hmm. So you might think at first blush that now is a good time to, uh, if you're buying, to put it in a Canadian corporation or a USC corporation, either one. Well, uh, here's the interesting point. It's still not a good idea. Okay. I'll bite. Why? And why, <laughs> why is it not a good idea? Okay. Well, first of all, uh, the tax rate, 21%, is good. Uh, if you put it in your name personally or in a cross-border trust, it's 20%. That's not a difference that matters. Okay. However... Here's the big one. Uh, the CRA, our tax department in Canada, does tax uh, corporations in a very peculiar way. If you have a personal use corporation and uh, you're the shareholder and you have a Florida or an Arizona property in there, uh, you are using it personally. The CRA takes the position that you're getting a benefit, a shareholder's benefit, and it's a taxable shareholder's benefit. Mm-hmm. What's that mean? That means that even though it's personal use and you're not renting it out, the um, hypothetical rental, fair market rental value, which might be thirty or forty thousand dollars, you have to add that onto your income, your personal income in Canada, and pay tax on it. <laughs> Dave, I just want to buy a house in the uh, down south. I just want to do that. <laughs> how do yeah, we? I how do we do that? Cross border trust. You yeah. put it in a trust that is, uh, gets you the lower rates in the state and doesn't trigger a problem on Canada's side and you don't have that issue. It's very important that I point this out, though, because yep. people are not going to be aware of this. If they go online and they look at that or they go to U.S. advisors who don't understand the Canadian tax ramifications. So so what kind of a, a purchase of a home? Is it just a person who buys a home in the U.S.? Of any is, value. Of any value. Yeah. Is there a deter- like, wh- Who fits for this cross-border trust, trust and who doesn't fit for the cross-border trust? If it's, if I say this. You know, everything's cost-benefit, right? And we try to keep things simple for our clients. So if you're buying a property in the States under hundred grand, in my opinion, just put it in your name personally. You know, if once you're over the 100000 and you anticipate it's going to grow more, uh, you know, or you're buying two hundred or five hundred thousand dollar property, uh, definitely it's better to put in a cross border trust. Why? You get the lower capital gain tax rate when you sell. Number two is you don't have probate when you pass away under this laws of California, which is the worst place in the United States for probate tax. It's unbelievable. Number three, what happens if you're incapacitated mentally? Well, if you have it in a cross border trust, at least your family can take over and sell the property. But if it's in your name personally, you've got to have a, a guardianship done. So there's a lot of different issues. We can protect the children if there is, uh, that when you leave it to them in the trust from their own problems, i.e. creditors or divorces. So it's a much better structure. So what about there's, there's a certain group of people who've bought property mm-hmm. in the U.S. Let's pick on Hawaii because the prices are a lot higher than in certain other states. But they've done it in, I, I said, in groups. So they've got bunch of couples get together, put some money in, and, and they all share it. Same idea, cross-border trust in that situation? Well, um, it depends on a few different things. Uh, what the value is, again, as you accurately pointed out. Number two is um, the uh, what is the uh, situation between all of them? Because sometimes uh, a limited partnership is a, an effective way. 
you have to have some kind of partnership agreement if you've got a whole bunch of people together. So I really don't uh, – you know, we ask a lot of questions before we make decisions. Where are you getting your money from? Do you need financing? Is it a long-term hold? Is it a short-term hold? Yep. Is it a renovation and a flip? You know, there's a lot of different uh, issues, guys, before we make a, a plan. But cross-border trust and cross-border irrevocable trust typically are the best ways to go for personal use properties, but not for uh, rental properties. If you're going to have – Income-producing properties, we, we like to look at uh, corporations, uh, two-tiered corporations. We like to look at limited partnership structures. But again, it all depends on um, what it's about. I have clients that are uh, buying an apartment building that's going to have about 200 doors, and they need financing in the States. So we have to make sure that the structure fits for the financing bank. Yeah. Gotcha. You know, and uh, this is really important. And David, thank you for sort of outlining the complexities here. We just, and I was being a bit facetious, I just want to buy a house in the United States, right? It's it's different in the United States as a Canadian than just buying a house here. There are things That's to right. consider yeah. that we've got That's to stop right. and pause, right, and engage the appropriate professionals to make sure that you and your family are protected from these kinds of things. Yeah. And what worked for your neighbor doesn't mean it's going to work for you because some people go out and just do what they do, and they say, oh, I did this, so go ahead right. and do it. You need to get the advice on this, especially when you're going across any border or you're going to any other country to purchase assets. There's a there's a, there's a a risk there that you have to be aware of, and you have to weigh your, your options out. So that's 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 one key thing. Now, now David, there are, you're, you're out east. Um, you're dealing out of uh, with a lot of clients there. We're in Alberta. How do people get in touch with you, if they, and can they use your services? With pleasure. We are all across Canada. We actually have an office in Calgary and Vancouver also and down in California. Uh, and uh, we have clients everywhere. So it's uh, call us on our 1-800-GO-ALTRO, A-L-T-R-O line, or check our website, altrolaw.com. And uh, we work on, by a video conference or meetings or whatever. And uh, we, we uh, also follow you guys on your stuff. So, you know, we're looking at everything and being right across Canada. We are Canadian, but we are doing U.S. Uh, um, planning for Canadians. Yeah, that's great, David. We've got maybe a minute or less. And, and so I run the legacy bucket on our team and, you know, interested in, in strategies to um, save tax, protect family members from weird family dynamics, get assets into the hands of the people yeah. they want. Now, there, I, I believe that there was some changes to the estate tax exemption also. Can you do justice in a very quick period of time that what we need to be thinking about for U.S. property? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, solutions are going to be trust. To avoid U.S. estate tax, however, what happened is the uh, used to be an exemption. If your worldwide estate, including everything you have, was under five and a half million, and you had a U.S. property, you had no U.S. death tax or estate tax. Right. Now, under the new act, it's an exemption of eleven million two hundred. Sounds fantastic. Sounds great. But remember this: in a few years, twenty twenty six, that exemption in the act is dropping right back down to 5 million indexed. So it's very important to understand that that big increase in exemption level is only short term. So planning is still very important. Yeah. Okay, David, thank you. We're going to leave it at that. I appreciate very much your time today. Hey, thanks a lot. We've been joined by David Altro, managing partner of the Altro, uh, sorry, of Altro LLP. Now, there you got from the conversation, specialist in cross-border tax, estate planning, U.S. real estate. If you own or are thinking of buying U.S. property, you need to get proper advice to make sure that you're properly Absolutely. protected. We've got a uh, Faisal, We've got a seminar coming up here. We should remind everybody it was packed uh, last month. We want you to get a seat if you're interested. Pure education, no obligation. We just want 
everybody's retirement experience to be fantastic. We want to inform the public on how to structure retirement. And we'll do that on Tuesday, November 20th, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. You need to reserve your seats. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. All right, we're going to tie it all up uh, and make some sense of all of this from a structural perspective in the next uh, segment. Stick around for that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. I want to talk about More Than Money for a second, Faisal. I want, okay. to, have, I want to have a total wealth conversation. You know, We've talked in the first segment about volatility in the markets. That's getting all the attention. But you know what? This is short term. I don't know when history will mark the end of this volatility, but it will end. This is short term. I want to talk about the big picture. Okay. Right? It's not about what happens on trading days like Friday or, you know, Tuesday or whatever the case may be. This is about a long-term plan and total wealth, not just stocks and bonds. Where does everything fit? Right. Gotcha. So, we, you know, we just talk about, about what does a Canadian snowbird that owns or wants to own U.S. property do? Wow. Think of the implications of that decision from a total wealth perspective, right? There's all of these different buckets, as we call them, or, or, or uh, pieces of the wealth puzzle that need to be taken into consideration for a proper retirement plan. So Canadians have purchased assets in multiple ways, vehicles, they've purchased real estate, in Canada and abroad, yep. they own portfolios of investments. They may have businesses. They may have land, land or whatever else it may be. Yeah. And now you've got all these different assets, mm -hmm. and you need to put them in buckets. Yep. Okay, the the solution by putting of putting them in the buckets basically allows you to understand what is the purpose of that asset. Man, that's great. You mean it's not just one? Like we 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 think everybody seems to think about. I've just got all this stuff. So I'll tell you, okay. A while back ago, you were 40, and you started... Oh, oh, oh. Uh, a while back. Not that long ago. It was long ago, okay. right? Okay. Fair enough. Two Olympics ago, <laughs> you were 40. <laughs> and change. <laughs> I was being nice. Uh, and, and you started accumulating assets. Yep. And then you meet friends who say, hey, I got an investment idea with some business. Right. You want to buy some shares, or you have an opportunity to buy a building, or you have an opportunity to buy land, or yep. you, know, you got into, into the investment world, and you started managing this practice and so forth. The, you had multiple opportunities to make multiple ways of wealth yes now you're getting closer to the finish line of your career than you were i have a 10 year old you know that right? uh, yeah but that's <laughs> I, but i know your age i can't Anyways. see the finish line yet <laughs> okay yeah uh, anyway so you're getting closer i'm going to give you some reality here you're getting closer than than you were 10 years ago okay fair enough and and so now you have to start to put your, all this different buckets or these different pools of wealth assets in different buckets so you have a purpose behind each asset right the four buckets that you need to remember, and everybody listening need to know this. You put your assets in the four buckets. Number Bucket number one is growth. Very easy. Yeah. I want this thing to get bigger. Okay. Second bucket is what if something goes wrong? Mm -hmm. Now, two things could go wrong from now till, till the end. One is a premature death. Mm -hmm. Okay. So estate planning, we call it the legacy bucket. Mm -hmm. What assets are going to be left in that in the event of death? Right. The other one that people tend to forget is the health bucket. And when they forget about the health bucket, they make a couple of assumptions. One, they have enough assets to pay for things. Or number two, the government will take care of us. Um, number two, the one that I just said, please stop thinking that way because yeah. it's going to change. We've been doing this show for, for many, many years, and no one's come to us with a plan of what they're going to do with the aging population. There's a committee, though, looking at it. Yeah, know for that. the past 25 years. Yeah. Um, so now you need to dedicate some assets. And some clients are saying, and some listeners who've talked to me have said, 
I'm going to use my property as my health bucket in the event of a health issue. Think about how do you convert that into cash to pay for things yeah. is, is all on the, on, the, on, the, on the issue. But at least they've started to dedicate. Right. They said this property is not designed to make a whole bunch of money. It's designed to be there for use. Right. Lifestyle. Lifestyle. Yeah. And in the event of a health issue, I'm going to convert it. Right. So long as you've got these things out. Then you have a last bucket is income. That can't be the other three the other three buckets. Right. It has to be separate. Right. And so what investment or what asset that you're going to use is going to provide you the income that you need to enjoy the lifestyle that you have. Right. And this is wealth management. This is not stocks and bonds. So, yeah, let me, let me stop there. I want to interject because I, I got to tell you a comment that I hear more and more and more when I talk to people, whether they're clients or just you know people on the street that we're talking to, is that 25 years ago, mm-hmm. I didn't have anything, Dave. And I didn't really have anything to worry about. Now, you know, maybe we've romanticized what it was like to have nothing back when we were, we were young, right? Cool. But the fact is, they say, but now I have accumulated wealth and I've got all these things to worry about. Yep. More right? money, more problems. More money, more problems. Gotcha. And so, so the four buckets is, is really about trying to, at its very essence, is trying to help people understand where the, all of the financial assets that they've accumulated throughout their life, where does it fit? What's it supposed to do? And we spend an awful lot of time in conversations with people, respectfully deconstructing the assets that they've acquired as they have acquired wealth. Yep. And then reconstructing those assets in a fashion that supports this next stage of life, right? What if I need income and my, all of my assets are growth assets? Guess what? You're probably going to have to do some restructuring on that. Correct. Right. So it, it's interesting, but it's not a stock and a bond conversation. It's total wealth. There is more than just your investment portfolio involved in this, right? As evidenced by the fact, if I just want to own a lifestyle property in the United States, holy cow! There's a bunch of implications if I don't structure that financial asset, that piece of my wealth. Properly. Correct. So I, I think it's really critical in, in, in helping people understand. That's this educational yeah. seminar. And I'm not saying the stock market and bond market's not important. Of course. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm saying that there's a lot of people who spend more time analyzing the day-to-day fluctuation of the stock market yeah. than the implications of tax, which could take 30, 40, 50% of your money gone in one day, in one day, mm-hmm. because it was poorly planned. Right. Well, and you heard what David said, right? If you owned a property... Um, in a very short period of time, you're going to have U.S. estate tax get cut in half, and you could be exposed to a giant U.S. estate tax bill that you weren't even aware of. Correct. And and so what I I find sometimes is that we're, um, you know, we're we're penny wise, pound foolish. Right. Right. We're worrying about the day to day fluctuations of a portfolio, which is I'm not saying you shouldn't. Right. Exactly. I'm just saying in the grand scheme of things, people are forgetting or not are not focusing on one part of their wealth management, right. but focusing on the day-to-day management of how the Dow Jones or whatever index you want to look at is. Right. And so take a look at the bigger piece and start to prioritize what is the biggest impact to you from a risk perspective. Yep. Is it the stock market or is it potentially, I don't know, 50% tax? Well, right? ta- I mean, tax is critical. It's also important from a, when you look at a total wealth perspective, and, and we've done shows over the years on this talking about siloed thinking, right? So if, in fact, we've got lots of clients that own multiple properties in the United States. Yep. Okay. So you've actually got, through your real estate, tons of U.S. exposure. Correct. Right? U.S. dollar exposure in your wealth portfolio, not your stock portfolio. The question is, do you need to add to that or subtract from that? in your uh, in your investment portfolio. So when we I'm, I'm trying to break this silo thinking, right? If people step back, put it all on a whiteboard. We do that all the time. All the put time. Put it yep. all on a whiteboard. Let's yep. take a look at where everything is from a wealth perspective. Let's categorize what that asset is designed to do. And let's look at the exposures that we that we have. 
we went through a horrible period through end of 2014 as the oil markets crashed. House prices were affected. Yeah, we were jobs talking. were affected. Business revenue was affected in this. So, you know, if you live in Calgary, as an example, you have oil and gas exposure, period. Period. Because yeah. we live in this city. Yep. Do you need to have all of your investments in oil and gas? Right? These are the kinds of questions that need to be asked when you're, when you're having a wealth conversation, not when you're having a stock and bond conversation. Correct. Right? Or retirement conversation. What's the, what's the total picture look like? And gosh, I wish more people would step back and, and think about that because there's lots of people in this city that have done fantastic. Well, that's why you and I have a job to help people do that. Good and point. that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the bigger picture, asset dedication and strategy on Tuesday, November 20th, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits and Beer. You need to reserve your seat, so give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go on our website at morethanmoneyradio.com. You know, last uh, last month's seminar was um, was really interesting. Of course, we saw volatility, but it was it was jam packed. It was so jam packed we had to add a, a, a second seminar right uh, at the end of it just to try to accommodate everybody. And I don't think we were successful in accommodating everybody. We still had other people. It's it's an interesting time, right? I don't mean just from a stock market perspective. Retirement is an interesting time in your life. The complexities go through the roof. One because you've a, you've got stuff now, right? Two. Because of all the problems that we, you know, all the, the inner uh, actions between all the different asset classes, and we hope to be able to educate around that. Okay, uh, let's wrap it up here. Uh, thanks for joining us for another edition. If you are interested in any of the topics we talked about today or any of our past topics, those are, uh, they all get archived at morethanmoneyradio.com, or you can have them directly de- uh, delivered to you through a podcast. Search up More Than Money CHQR on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.